Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything you've been doing in our midst. Lord, I thank you for those this week who have been saved, those who have been healed. Uh, Father, people who have had breakthrough. And uh, Lord, just simply encountering more of your goodness. Just fresh revelation of how good you are, of who you are. Father, as, as we behold you, we're transformed. And Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as I just minister, Lord, that it'll be an opportunity for our spirits to be refreshed, inspired. Lord, I pray, and inspire us and challenge us. Father, spur us on to greater faith this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week I started um, basically uh, a two-part sermon. And uh, this it's called The Life Cycle of Faith. And I was really talking about how we develop or grow in our faith. You know, growing up, and our Christian faith is all about growing to experience the love of God. It's not simply about knowing Him, but actually experiencing Him. Experience, continually, intentionally positioning ourselves to experience the love of God. That's what it's about. That's how we're transformed. And uh, we, to do that, we need to live a life of faith. And... Uh, this talk is, be, is really about us, uh, an attempt to, some keys that I can give you that will help you in the process of growing in your faith. And if you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you to get hold of the, the message. It's up online on our website at the moment. And, uh, but I just want to quickly go through a couple of the highlights if I can. Now, the first thing is, whoop, pushing buttons down. We simply, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 tells us that we live by faith. 5, 7, sorry. We live by faith. You know, the world, as I said last week, says, hey, if you can see it, you can believe it. But in the kingdom of God, it's if you believe it, you can see it. It's completely the opposite way around. And we live by faith. We have one life goal as believers, and that life goal is shared by all of us. It's to live to please God. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 in defining faith says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. I started the service this morning with this and it's just, oh, you know, I've just been reading this over and over this week. Just let this, feed, you know, just feed in your spirit. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. We firmly, safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confidence assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our God through the manifestation of excellence and power. Wow, isn't that amazing? So rich. Faith. It is by faith that we come into this wonderful new life in Jesus Christ. And it is by faith that we continue to grow. It's always about faith. And what I'm hoping to do is, as I share, is to really take you on a bit of a journey to show you the, the, the process in which we can grow in our faith and what we can do. You know, some, God wants, we so often limit ourselves. Our tendencies is to do things that um, we know we can do. We really live our lives in, in the confine of what our abilities are. But God is wanting us to dream, to dream beyond ourselves. You know, sometimes dream the dream that almost seems like foolishness, but it's stirred from the heart of God into our hearts. And so we, we need, I, 
you know, we have enough faith to get saved, but I don't believe we often live with enough faith to live an extraordinary supernatural life on earth. And that's really what God is calling us to, to live a greater life. And so what I started doing about last week was talking about the life cycle of faith and see how it starts with capacity. It starts with our capacity. Everyone has capacity. We all have different capacity. And really our capacity is our potential. What can we do? And how do we view ourselves? And how do we understand ourselves? Because we need to be aware of who we are. But the good news is it doesn't stop there because when we understand who we are, then God comes along and he adds his grace to us. And then he adds the power of his Holy Spirit to us. And he adds to your dream, his dream for you. And so our capacity grows within the kingdom. And our capacity, we can understand it through three things. Our vision, our history, and our awareness. What is your vision for your future? What is your history? What is your past? And are you aware of God's grace as much as you are aware of your weakness? And you see, when we put these three things together, you begin to understand what your potential is. And again, I expanded on all those last week. And once you get to that, once you you begin to understand what your capacity is, it's not just enough to understand capacity. The next thing, it must lead to action. We talked about that, that faith without works is dead. You know, it's not enough just to talk about how much faith you have. You've got to to live out of that faith. You've got got to be aware of that faith. And uh, it's so, so important that we understand that. And of course, one of the paradigms around here is that faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. That living the life of faith, of having action in the kingdom, requires risk. And also, the other thing is we need to be aware of is cost. The cost to live a life of faith. I read a great quote this week from uh, an apostolic leader in our stream from Chicago called Ian Carroll, and he said this, Commitment should cost. If I commit to a dream, a goal, or a person, or a church, it should cost me. I wonder how many of us wake up each day avoiding things that will cost us, things that will make a demand on us every day and sometimes every moment of every day. Accept the fact that commitment costs and plan to meet that cost, and it will change your day. Fitness costs, relationships cost, healthy finances cost, a relationship with God costs. We pay with time, energy, money, and focus. The costs are real, but oh so worth it. Now there is going to always be a cost. And and in today's culture, it's very easy wanting to avoid that, even in the kingdom. You know, what can I get? What are, you know, God, what's your promises for me? What's your prophetic word for me? You know, tell me how much of a superstar I'm going to be. We never come and consider what the cost is in our lives and what it's going to be for us. Because the next thing that comes from that, from living in action, is faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, as I said last week, you're going to go through good days and you're going to go through bad days. You're going to go through mountaintop experiences and you're going to go through valleys. And God has saved you to live a different lifestyle. But you are going to go through everything that the world goes through. But the thing is, the things that affect them will not affect you in the same way because of your faith in God. And that's what causes you to stand out. God has wanted you to be light in the darkness. And so often we as Christians, we want to be a light in a room of lights. 
In other words, if we want to stay in the church where there's a whole lot of light. But you see, if you then disappear, that no one notices that you're gone. And God never called you to do that. God wants to light you up and stick you in the darkness where you can make a difference, where you'll light that around you. And so he brings you into the darkness, but sometimes the darkness is pretty rough. It can be, have some rough passages, places, and you need to learn to have, be faithful. Are you willing to stay the course and not give up? You see, God is calling every one of us in this room to action, to act by faith, to stay faithful to the things you've committed to, and, and to, to, so you have an idea of your capacity, and you act on it. And when you have those two things, you get where I left off last week, results. Results. Everything we do in life has results. We call them outcomes, we call them consequences, whatever. But we all have results. Every single action you have has a result. And it may be a good result or it may be a bad result. And, you know, I think one of the areas that we miss out on in faith and we really need to grasp is that we need to understand when we, when we live in a place of faith, we still need to be able to measure it. The results that we have need to be measurable. You see, if you sit, you know, sometimes we so spiritualize things, but we need to realize that we need to have measurable results, even in the Christian life. Now, I understand there are some things which are not measurable in the Christian life, like the fruit of the Spirit, character, integrity, love, joy, peace. You can't objectively necessarily measure those. But you know, if you have goals in your life, and they are faith goals, and you, you, you make a plan that you can act on, you need to be able to review the results. We need to set ourselves goals. Yeah, I mean, so many of us generally do it anyhow, don't we, in the, in the, in the natural New Year. I mean, you know, we, we all make those, those New Year's resolutions. And, you know, this year it's going to happen. This year I'm going to get fitter. This year I'm going to be better at playing golf. This year I'm going to learn a language. This year, whatever it happens. We, we, we have these goals. And generally we find within a couple of weeks the goal's gone. <laughs> and part of the reason is because we don't actually set ourselves measurable standards. And we need to be able to do that. We need to, the, we, we need to have something that we can measure. John 15, 16, Jesus is saying this. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. In another version, it says much fruit. So the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. See, Jesus is saying that we're called to produce fruit. And it's meant to be of a certain type. It's meant to be lasting. Now, you can only define it as lasting if you measure it to check that it is lasting. You understand what I'm saying? You know, sometimes I hear Christians say things like, oh, oh, you know, we don't want to count that lax faith. We just need to believe. We just need, well, I say if you do count, you do show faith. Because it's quite simple. If you have a goal and you measure it, then you know what's happening. You know, some people sometimes say, why do you count? Simple answer is because everybody counts. Pun intended, everybody counts. 
everything counts. I mean, who counted that it took God seven days to create the earth? Who counted that Noah's flood lasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Who counted that they were in the wilderness for 40 years? Who counted that Jesus had 12 disciples and then later on he had 70 followers? Who counted that there were 4,000 men fed at one meal? Who counted that there were 3,000 fed at another meal? Who counted that there were 12 baskets left over? Who counted that there were 120 people in the upper room? Who counted that there were 3,000 people giving their life to Jesus after the first sermon? Who is doing all that counting? And why would they count? Because people count. And we need to understand that. And so often in some ways we think it's almost not spiritual if we, do, if we don't count. But we need to measure what we're doing to know how successful we are. If you have a, if you have a financial goal, count it. Every month, measure it. If you're in business, measure you wouldn't, do it, you wouldn't be in business very long if you don't measure things. You know, I have people come to talk to me about find their financial problems and they show up like a victim. <laughs> and, you know, I have a real problem because what they're doing is they're insinuating that their money grew legs and ran away. And that's kind of the super kind of supernatural miracle I don't believe in. You know, if they had actually been measuring, they would have known what was going on in their lives. You see, when you look at your results, you know. It allows you to be a good steward of what God has given you. The next thing is credit. To be, to give God glory. To give him all the credit. You know, I've got to admit, I, I, I've been guilty of this. There's been something that's, that's happened in my life and I've been... Uh, so afraid of, of something and, and, and being afraid to do it. And other people in my life have told me I could do it. And, and, and I mean, I, I was super afraid. And, and very tentatively, I finally did it. And you know what happened? There was success. <laughs> it worked out. And it was then like, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm the man. I was born for this, you know. <laughs> you know? I didn't say that, but it was kind of in my heart, you know. I gave myself credit. I wasn't like Paul, which said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And God had to deal with me. You see, if you only give yourself credit, you'll never access the grace of God for the next season. You will not be in a position to receive because in reality, what you're saying is, I don't need God. You know, I had a meeting once with this um, very, very successful businessman. I was talking to him, a leader in his church, and, and he started saying that God had given him, blessed him with everything he had. But no, so, no sooner than he had stated that, than he started going on and on about everything he'd earned and everything he'd done. And, every, and there was just something, just a, kind of almost a check in my spirit. And after a while, he was sharing with me about how he was going to be buying his second holiday home. And uh, I simply asked him, had he asked God about that? And he just blew up. And, and I was really shocked at his response because, you know, he, he blew, said, listen, I earned everything that I'm spending. I made that money. And, you know, I, I've got nothing against people making money. It's a gift from God. In fact, Deuteronomy 18, uh, sorry, 818 says, it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
I have no problems with people making money. I have problems who they give the glory to about it. That's the interesting thing. See, we need to give credit to God for everything we do. And when we give credit to God, we see an increase of faith. An increase of faith. And you know what? I don't know if you're in the habit of doing this, but when something happens, gets released, you know the best thing to say is simply this, more, more. God, is there more? Is there more? You know, it's one of the things that God really shown me over the last year. I thought, and I thought I had faith, but, but you know, and I, and I said, God, whatever you want me to do, but I'd give no specifics. I'd give no specifics. I'd say, God, whatever you want to do in our midst, I'd give no specifics. I'd have no goals. I'd have no numbers. And I realized that while it sounded like faith, it simply wasn't. God wanted me to be specific. How much do you want? How much? Tell me an amount. He doesn't want you to be like, you know, it's all good. You know, Jesus just did anything. You know, all I need is you, Lord, type thing. He's not like that. He wants us to be specific when we pray. And the question is, does God want to give you more? Is he able? Is he even willing? Of course he is. He is willing. He is able and he does want to give us more. You know, I hate this idea that's in the church that that being poor and miserable is in some way more holy than being blessed and successful. It's a lie. It's, It's a poverty spirit that we've had. Jesus died to deliver us. From that, David prayed, bless me, Lord, that the people may know that there is a God in Israel. Tell me what you want. Lord, I want more. I want more. I will be responsible for what you have given me, and I want more. How much do you want then? It's a bit, isn't it? How much more do you want? How much do I dare ask for Jesus? Jesus, you gave me everything on the cross. How can I ask you for more? You gave me so much. I owe you everything. But I've really felt God say, ask like a son and not like an orphan. Ask like a son and not like an orphan. You see, you are a co-heir. You are a co-heir. Jesus gave up his inheritance so you could gain it. He gave us that freedom, that life. And he says, ask like I would ask the Father. Ask the Father with the faith of Jesus. I mean, you know, did Jesus ever go to the Father and ask him for everything and see him be denied? Jesus would never, ever be denied anything he asked of the Father. You know, hey, Father, I've got, I've got, I've got five fish and two loaves, and I've got 5,000 people here who are hungry and, and, and women and a whole bunch of kids, and, 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 uh, and, but Lord, I just thank you, and boom. So much food, there were 12 baskets left over. Does God want to give you more? Oh, yes, of course he does. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, verse 20, now all glory to God who is able. He is able, folks. Whatever your situation, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life today, he is able. 
through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think or ask. He is able infinitely, infinitely more. Is there more? Is there more? Yes. And you know what? God is willing to, are you willing to do it again? Absolutely. Because if he did it the first time, he will do it a second time. Because he's a God that does not change. You see, we are the ones that put limits on God. We are the ones that put limits on God. If God, see, I have a, a basic thing that I'm praying. If God has done anything in human history, my statement is quite simple. If he did it once, he can do it again. And why not, uh, why not now? Why not here? And why not us? That's, that's the question I ask of myself. And I turn that around and I pray into that. Say, God, do it again right here, right now with us. God is willing to do it again. And, you know, I've got to be honest, this has been a, a, a thing for me as much as anyone, the, today's sermon, because what, I, what I'm, I've started doing is I've been putting ridiculous amounts on my requests now. Man, I am claiming all sorts of things. I am claiming all sorts of things. And I tell you, I'm not doing it out of arrogance, but I'm doing it out of the awareness of God and what he can do. And he can do all things. And I'm his son. And he's my dad. And listen, you guys are my brothers and sisters. And we belong to a kingdom. We are royalty. We are royalty. And it says that he can do far beyond what we can imagine and dream. That's our inheritance, folks. The chest is in heaven. It's waiting for us to open it. The issue is not on God's side. The issue is on our side. What are we willing to ask God for? What are we willing to ask, believe God for? And when I was in my pharmacy, when I owned my ph- or when I worked in pharmacy, because of the places I worked, I was privileged to, to uh, yeah, privileged to to encounter some of the wealthiest and most significant people in New Zealand. And and I, I tell you, you know, one of the things I noticed about those folk, they didn't think about price. They didn't think about the cost of something often. They would see something and they would want it. And I realized that they they made decisions not from a place of lack or not having enough. They made decisions from the attitude that everything was possible. And you and I are the sons and daughters of God Almighty. Our dad is greater than the wealthiest person alive. He owns the whole dang world for goodness sake. And so why am I sitting here saying peanuts will do? Why am I sitting not at the table but on the floor hoping for a few crumbs? He's saying to us, get up and take a seat. Take a seat at the table that has got our name on it. Why? Because Jesus paid for it all. Jesus paid for it. See, you've got to get this. This has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus has purchased for you. What is available to us as sons and daughters of God? Do you get that? (coughs) So everything I've said so far has taken into consideration this, that from the beginning I've known my potential, 
I've got a vision. I've looked at my history, how God's been with me. I've been aware of his grace. And I go out and I take action. And I count the cost and I'm faithful. And I live in that place of risk. And I'm faithful in everything I do. And I look at the results. And the results are just explosive. And it's just fantastic. But listen, as wonderful as that is, let's be honest. Life is not always like that. It's not always like that. And there are things that you do by faith. You take the risk. You count the cost. You invest. You invest your time. You invest your energy. You invest your resources. And you really believe God. And guess what? It doesn't come through. It doesn't come through like you hoped it would. It doesn't come through like you had faith for. What happens then? What happens then? And I, I believe what I'm just about to say is perhaps a key take-home for some of you today. You see, if your faith is not producing results for you, it may mean your faith has been tested. So how do I respond in the pain of my faith being tested? Because it hurts, right? It hurts. Let's be honest. I, mean, I, I have met people who've been in relationships for years and, and they thought it was God and, and then they had a breakup. I've known people who've invested life, their lives into a work and they, they believed it was God and, and that God had given them the vision to do something and, and they did it and then it all fell flat. Been in that place ourselves where, where we, we basically hurt so much we didn't know where to turn. Meet people like that all the time. The faith has been tested. And the, and the one question that they're asking, apart from why God, is what do I do? What do I do? And you know, it's, it's, it's understanding what we're going through then. James talks about it in James chapter 2. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, Actually, when I say dear brothers and sisters, what I want you to do is say yes, okay? So dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Joy. Oh, we'll say okay. <laughs> come on, we'll do it again then. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> For you know, this is why, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Come on. You see, it's that willingness to press through opposition. It's that willingness not to give up, that willingness to keep fighting, to stay faithful, to, to stay faithful, to stay faithful, to stay faithful. Even when things are crashing around you, I'm not going to let go of God. I'm not going to let go of his promises. I'm not going to let go of the words that are over my life. I'm going to stay faithful even in the midst of the storm. I'm going to hold on to everything I have and I'm going to make it through the storm. You see, that is endurance. That is endurance. When your faith is being tested and you hold on to Jesus, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, listen to what you become. You'll be perfect and complete, needing or lacking nothing. 
You may be in that place right now. You might be saying, God, it just isn't working out. Be assured God is there with you. God is there. He is walking this through with you. He is there. And I tell you, if it's going well for you, say, God, I want more. Let's do it again. Can we do it again? Let's do more. Come on. I like the faith. If you're not in that place, say, God, you're growing my endurance. You're building me up in the middle of this. And even though I don't see anything on the outside, I know that things are on that, happening on the inside. You see, when you live a life of faith like this that I've been talking about, you know what happens? You're, winning in a, you're living in a win-win situation. You're never on the losing side. You're never on the losing side. So if you act by faith, you see, that is why, that's why God's pleased with faith. It's because your faith produces results or testing. And God knows that either of those things are good for you and it pleases Him. And so we do all those things. We go right through them and then we ask again. We say, wait a minute. I've just been through a season of crazy faith. I've just seen the impossible become possible. I've seen God move in my life. I've had a vision. I've had a goal. I believe that God gave me. I've lived in risk. I've counted the cross at the cost. I've been faithful in all the things. I saw results, and the results were awesome. And I asked God to do more, and I felt like He said yes. And I felt that He would say, He said, we can do it again. And so let me get around again. And say, once again, what is my capacity for the next level? And on the next level, like if I believe for 100 before, I'm going to believe for 500. And once I get 500, I'm going to believe for 1,000. And once I have 1,000, I'm going to believe for 5,000. And once I get 5,000, I'm going to believe for 10,000. Because you see, there's no rhyme or reason or sense by the way I grow these numbers. It's just throwing crazy faith at God. And believing that He's going to come through for me. And you know what? He's going to come through for each one of us. Every single one of us. As we step into this place of faith. Yeah? That's the kind of life we're called to. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? just put your hand out in front of you if you would you want to do that Father we have seen some crazy wild things happen in this place Father we've seen people get out of wheelchairs, we've seen legs grow, we've seen amazing cancers healed, we've seen eyesight, eyes open we've had ears open Lord we've seen marriages restored we've seen financial breakthrough we've seen financial miracles, we've We've seen people come to know you, which is the greatest miracle. But Father, through it all, I say, do it again. Do it again, Lord. We want more. Father, we want more. Lord, I, I, I in front of these people, I want, to, I want to live a life of crazy faith. I want to believe you for the great things. Father, I want to go beyond what we've seen, and I want more. I want more, Father. Break it out. And Lord, I just release faith over every person here today. Lord, for those who are in, in, in times of testing right now, Father, as hard as it is, we thank you for the testing because we know that you're still there. 
that you're still loving and that there's going to be breakthrough. And that, Lord, there's a maturing happening right now. And we do thank you for that, even though it can be hurting. Father, for those who are in places of, of just beginning to step out and just say, what am I capable of? Father, I pray, release dreams in their lives. Dreams like they've never carried before. Father, limitless dreams, wild dreams, crazy dreams. Father, and those who are acting, I pray, Father, I thank you for the risk. You know, guys, one of the things I say about this church is that I feel like I've grabbed the wild pony by the tail sometimes. Because as you lead, I mean, you guys' faith is just awesome. But we're going to do it again, huh? So, Father, I pray that I pray that we'll live in a place of risk. Father, we will count the cost. And Father, we will be faithful. But Lord, we're going to live a lives of risk, of total abandonment to you. Because we know that's where you want us to. Because we know your kingdom is ever expanding. And so Lord, we want to live on the outer boundaries. We never want to be comfortable. We never want to be um, conservative. We never want to be just so-so. We want to live on the very edge. So do it again. Do it again. And Father, we, we thank you for the results that we're going to see that we are seeing, Father. We're going to count them, Lord, because we want to give you the glory. We want to celebrate you. We want to measure them so you can get the glory. And Father, we thank you that faith is released into our lives, Father, that we can step into that. So Father, we are a people of faith, but we're going to be a people of greater faith. Father, we thank you that we've had fruit, but we're going to have much more fruit, lasting fruit, eternal fruit. Increase it, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.